Welcome back, one and all, to the Dawson D Show, and today you're tuning into episode 138 with ARIA Charts recording artist, rapper, and music producer, K.O. Marvelous. Of course, guys, remember to subscribe and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, wherever you get your social media from for your daily dose of DOS and D. Now, in the past, we've welcomed various guests from the music industry on this show, but we're yet to sit down with someone in the hip-hop and rap world. That is, until today. K.O. shared his unique story with us from his rise up the ranks in humble beginnings in Canberra to becoming a big name player in the industry today. We heard about his musical influences, the keys to writing lyrics, overcoming writer's block, producing and mixing beats, and we even got our very own Dawson D exclusive where he played us a sample of a track he is about to drop later this year. Outside of music, we dived into K.O. as a person. We had a great conversation about dealing and overcoming racism as a young man who moved to Australia from Ghana when he was only two years old. We heard about some of his biggest successes including chart-topping hits, becoming a celebrity judge on a TV show and working with some of the biggest names in the hip-hop world, as well of course as some of the tougher moments of his life and handling hate. But let's not waste any more time and get stuck into it, so hit that subscribe button and enjoy our chat with KO Marvelous. Right now, there's there's nothing more fitting than you and I sitting with a, a microphone right now because opposite us is a is a man from the music industry. We're talking rap, hip hop, freestyle. Oh yeah, this man knows his music, and we're very very lucky and blessed to have him. Ko Marvelous, welcome to the Dawson D Show. Thank you very much. Welcome. No, happy to be happy here. To be here. <laughs> Thanks, mate. We can start again if you want. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's oh, all good. Love it. Welcome man. to be here. Happy to be here. It's all the same thing, really. Mate, we are wrapped to have you. We've, we've only just connected. So really, I think we want to hear your story a little bit and then we'll dive into some questions. But give us a little bit of your background. Well, what do you want to know? I mean, I'm um, originally from Canberra. Mm-hmm. I've got a new phrase. I say Canberra City Zone, but it's Melbourne though because I'm always going to represent Canberra because, yep. uh, you know, Canberra's the underdog city where I come from. So I've always got to, you know, represent Canberra. It made me who I am today. Born in Ghana, raised in Canberra, lived, lived in Canberra for like 30, 32 years. Uh, if not, give or take, probably a bit more. And um, everything I learned was from that small town. Recording artist, songwriter, co-producer. Done a bit, a little bit of acting. Just been pushing away over the last couple of years. Just been um, chipping away, working on my craft. As we spoke on before with you boys, working on your craft with your with your podcast and stuff that you guys do. It's all about taking baby steps, you know, with anything you do in life, whether it's like your podcast, entertainment stuff, music, sports you want to be a builder you want to you know own your own business whatever it is it all just takes time um it's always good to have the finished product in your mind have that goal it's all about manifesting right so if you have like for example um an end goal having that end goal and what you want to achieve it's like a rope the ropes on the other side of that of that goal and you're going to be slowly pulling yourself to yeah. it by just you like that little metaphor or whatever i, use I love, yeah, it. love it i love it yeah like you just, you just pretty much slowly pulling yourself because without the end goal of what you want to do you pretty much just lost so that's what I did for the last 15 years and that was just me just um, chipping away, putting out music bit, bit, you know, bit by bit here and there. And, and then it's funny when you look back, when you're actually doing the job and actually slowly chipping away and working on your craft, I don't think we, you take enough time to celebrate those little moments. Mm. And, and I've read on many, many you know, podcasts and TV shows that it's important to celeb- celebrate those little achievements mm. as you go because um, – it's part of the journey. It's the it's the fun part of it. It's like enjoying it while you're going there, you know, on on the way there. When you look back a couple of years, and you boys do the same thing as well. When you look back, you're like, shit, I we've actually done a lot. Yeah, you know, you're like, I've actually done a lot because you start achieving all, you start hitting all these little milestones, right? Then you hit the real big milestone. You hit that real big thing, and then you'd be like, oh, where did this come from? But then you you pause and go, hang on a sec. 
we did this this time we did did we did so many things over the years and then it starts to make sense mm. ah it's you know the term hard work pays off and all that kind of stuff and that's you know all starts comes into shape and form so that's what i've been doing really for the last 15 years same thing happened to me like i moved to melbourne from canberra three and a half years ago moving to melbourne was going to be the pinnacle was going to be the, the big thing because i knew how to i had achieved all these things from canberra so i knew once i moved to melbourne it'd be a different type of vibe and energy and that's what i'm pretty much doing now i mean we had lockdown for a year and a half but i still spent that time like you guys were telling me before you just got pretty much created from lockdown i did the same similar thing where i made a lot of big connections from lockdown my time to just you know i'm not i'm not a reporter or an interviewer but i just um did the same similar thing i just jumped on my uh Instagram and messaged a whole bunch of people and said, hey, because they're on lockdown too. So I said, let's have some video chats and stuff. So I did that with a whole bunch of people as well. So I just kept myself busy some way or another. Now that we're like, you know, a year and a bit out of lockdown, it's been a year and a bit, I think. Yeah. I'm just now slowly getting back into mm. it, getting back into the groove, getting back into the into the zone. And it feels like I'm moving to Melbourne all over again. Because mm. they say the saying goes that um, every day you wake up and you appreciate every day like it's new you get more and more blessings because you have that, uh, you know, like that appreciation. Yeah. Or there's a term for it in, the, in that kind of... Voice. Gratitude. Gratitude, yes. Yeah. Boom. There you go. The law of attraction, the law of vibration. The more gratitude you have, you feel good and it gives you more and more and more. So I've been for three and a half years and I still have my, my pinch me moments still and I go, mm. fuck, I, I can't believe I'm... Li- Can we spit on you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, mate. Okay, yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking earth. <laughs> la- actually, last week, we've got a bit of backlash for the amount of swearing oh, from really? last week's podcast. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> So go for it, Kay. Yeah. I'm not much of a swearer. I try not to swear because I actually find swearing... Just bring that mic a little bit yeah, closer. Yeah. I find swearing only oh, appropriate yeah. if it's if it's, it doesn't sound stupid, mm. if it's intelligent. Intelligence. If you just swear for the sake of swearing, after a while you sound like a, like a dickhead, yeah? Yeah. So anyway... Sound um, like an Aussie bogan. Yeah, I'd say you sound like a booner, like a, like a, you know, like a gronk, you know? Um, so <laughs> what, what... All right, so 15 years... What has been probably you mentioned like you have the small wins for mm. you like mm. when you look back now mm. what is like your most probably proud achievement mm. starting mm. from poetry and yeah. then working your way up into the music industry what do you think is your proudest moment the one moment you reckon the big the, well, or a few a few maybe a ones. few yeah a few because yeah. I, I was explaining before the little little achievements along the way so what I learned was one one thing I promised myself was as long as I have done one thing over 12 months that's enough to go oh that's a cool achievement it's enough for me to keep going the year after that was a little promise i made to myself early on in, in that sure. time subconsciously and consciously consciously as well you know from the age of 15 to like 21 i just write just writing poetry just yeah. writing lyrics not and a lot of us is rubbish you know to be honest with you that it's all just i find just programming the brain the mind just like a sports person you you need to train you need to anything you want to do you need to work on it you want to become a doctor, you got to go to university and you got to train, you got to right. study. So with what I was doing from 15 to 21, the lyrics from back then I find to be like, you know, pretty basic stuff. I was training myself to be better and better and better. And even I was, I was telling you guys off camera before, even 15, 20 years later, I'm still getting better and changing and changing, changing. So when I got to about 21 and I started putting out music, what I, what I found that happened was from the soon as I started putting out music, something would happen. When I first started recording, I recorded my music um, at a friend's house. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, but like recording from like a computer and a little PC microphone the size of this, like just a piece of shit PC microphone. Yeah. But that's all I had to work with. So I'm like, let's just do it. So I recorded like, you know, a couple of tracks, nothing special, pretty, uh, not the best, but it was all right. You know, I was like 21. 
did the same thing, slung the CDs out, posted them to a few places, and I ended up getting some of the songs on this thing called Fuel Channel. If you know, it's called Fuel Channel. No, it was right. back in the day. It was like a um, extreme sports thing, and I just posted them. They ended up putting the songs, and I was like, "It's my songs aren't even that freaking good." So that was that, and I was like, "Oh fuck, I'm onto something good then." Like if, if it's gotten on there, we'll give it a crack. So then years years went by. 2007, 2007, 2008, I did, I did a thing called, I recorded a project called Camera Stand Up the Mixtape. So we did like 19 songs. And once again, I um, sent the songs out. Uh, this one I made hard copies. I pressed a thousand copies. It cost me like a freaking arm and a leg, but I had to do it, right? Yeah. And I ended up sending some of the CDs out to a few various places and I ended up getting on, um, you know, Howzo's and Fat Pizza? Yeah, yeah I love yeah. Howzo's. Yeah, Great yeah, show. Yeah, on SBS. So same thing ended up getting my songs on there on freaking TV. And this is like, I'm still in my early stages of, of really pushing this stuff, yeah? So I was like, fuck, this is amazing. So I did that and then I got paid for it as well. And then, so that was, that was, that was a time in my life I was like, okay, cool. So I'm putting that music. Everyone's starting to kind of like get to know who I am. Um, I had a launch. I had a launch for that album, for that mixtape as well at the ANU bar in Canberra, like the ANU, the university, the ANU bar. Oh, there. yep, yep. Packed it out, probably a couple, oh, maybe 500 people, I don't know. What were we rap? What was the lyrics about? What were we, what were we rapping about? Were they university appropriate or? Ah, <laughs> fuck, no, not really. Uh, it's funny, the funny thing is, as far back as then and even now, I've always tried to, when I write poetry, I mean, when I do my, put out music, to try and keep it like, not much swearing in there. Sure. I'm telling a story and I'm telling stories of things that I've done that are pretty dodgy. It's kind of like in code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I don't want to I'm, – I'm trying to push to an audience that your mum and dad listen to the music. Yeah, broader demographic. Broad yeah. demographic. And yeah. I did that and I've done that from then to this day. I still do it now. And that's the reason why I've got such a big audience because um, I've got people who are young and old who love my music because I'm not, it's not, I'm not, I'm not your typical standard rapper where they go, oh, shooting my bang, bang, or fucking smoking bongs or blah, 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 or selling <laughs> yeah. drugs. like – Talking about certain stuff in that aspect, but you've got to re-listen to the lyrics and be like, oh, okay, I get what he's saying. You know what I mean? 2010, I did another project, another another 10-track EP. I called it an EP, but really it should have been an album. I think it was an album, really, because EPs are only really like four or five songs, but mm. it should, it's pretty much an album. And once again, those song, songs from that, from that city went on some TV shows as well. And the things went really quiet for a little bit there. I was just putting out songs. And I was just like, whatever. And then 2012, I dropped another album, which was called The Raconteur, mm -hmm. which is French for um, one who tells a story with great skill. I, I read it somewhere and I was like, that sounds really powerful. So my second album was called The Raconteur, which means um, it's French for one who tells a story with great skill. That was that came out end of 2012. That was the first time I got my songs on, that my, one of my songs on proper like radio, like it's called Raw, Raw FM. Okay. Yep. You guys heard of Raw yeah, FM? Yeah. So I got it on Raw FM. The song was called I Will. That same year I dropped my first music video, my songs on radio. It's starting to pick up a bit of a buzz around Canberra. Everyone's like, fuck, I've seen your music video, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that was when I really started really spiritually feeling like many, you know, you have many sleepless nights wondering if you're yeah. doing the right thing, right? As you guys would know, am I doing the right thing? I'm wasting yeah. my time. But then after that situation, the end of 2012, I was like, I'm on the right path here. Like, you can't go fucking wrong. The universe is throwing the things at you, right? Yeah. That December, that same year, Canberra had created a, um, a music awards called The Mummers. So... 2012, 2013. How many, how many mamas did you get in your head? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know me, you know I like the older woman. Oh, so really? Do I, so do I. <laughs> Everyone knows. So, hey, if, you, if you're you know, in your 40s or 50s, hit me up. Man, you know, <laughs> I do my thing. Yeah. Um, well done, Kay. Yeah, it was called The Mamas, and um, it's an acronym for something. Yeah. I forgot I what it's called. So. Yeah. <laughs> the Mamas, yeah. It's an acronym, it's an acronym for something. And um, long story short, I got nominated um, Urban Artist of the Year. I won it. 
all my friends came to the to the to the freaking uh, awards thing. And if you know Canberra very well, Canberra is very conservative. Yeah. So one thing I didn't say was I didn't add before was came from a small town, which is one is bad enough, Canberra, but a conservative city where people aren't going to take you serious unless you're doing something freaking big. Like sure. so, mm. so. I was so from 2004 up to 2012, I was putting out music. Doing what you were doing was different compared to anyone else in that city. 100%. And there was other artists as well, don't get me wrong. And this is the other challenge that I had was there was other artists in Canberra doing what I'm doing, artists that I knew, like friends, artists who I kind of grew up with, and people just hate on you. Yeah. Like there's so many stories I could tell you. Like all the odds were against me within the environment, you know. And as I say this, I love Canberra. I'm always going to rep Canberra. Like shout out to Canberra City, of course. Like it made me who I was. It made me hustle and really just be hungry, you know. The awards night was really cool. The awards night was at um, Albert – was it Albert Hall? Real, real swancy, yeah, swanky place, right? And there's all types of, you know, heads there. The pinnacle moment of that evening was I had been doing this music for a long time. A lot of my friends that came to the awards night had known me, I had been there since, you know, you know, the late 90s or the early 2000s. I went to school with these boys. Like they've watched me pretty much from the start. Wow. So for me to get nominated and it's a packed place, I'm wearing a suit, blah, blah, blah. And then they go, the winner of, of the ACT Urban Arts of the Year Award goes to K.M. Marvelous. Like, it's just freaking wow. like, it's like I had an out-of-body experience. It's freaking yeah. weird. It's crazy. Got up there, made a speech. So that was a pinnacle time. From 2013 onwards, same things, putting out music here and there, this and that, but still promoting myself as a brand. Then the big thing hit, 2017, chain of events I'm about to explain to you guys now is what made me just go, Psh, i got to fucking move to Melbourne. Like the universe is, this is like, this is the universe is smashing the headset. This is now, yeah. 2017, I got a phone call from a, a Sydney producer, TV director called George Basher, who recorded, he did a movie back in the day called The Combination. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. No. It was ahead of its time. Some actors from the uh, from Underbelly were on it. The original ones from back in the day were on it. And I always wanted to be in this movie. I first watched the movie when it came out in 2009. And it was about Western Sydney Lebanese gang culture, which okay. is still re- you know, prevalent like in this day yeah. and age, right? And I was like, wow, this is crazy. I was like, I'd love to be in this movie one day. This is 2009 I watched it and I was like, fuck, I'd love to be in this movie one day. Like I just like, I want to be in a movie. And I just befriended him on Facebook, became friends, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, he, he hits me up on Facebook. He's like, hey, bro, what's your number? Oh, call me. This is my number, blah, blah, blah. I called him and he's like, oh, I got a role for you in the movie. Wow. I was like, what the hell? He's like, you got to come. He rang me on the Saturday because you got to come next Friday. So from Canberra to Sydney, it's like two, two hour drive, two and a half hour drive. I'd be there about nine o'clock in the morning. So long story short, I went up there, did my little scene and I was like, oh, this is freaking amazing. A couple of months later, I went to 2018 and then I ended up coming to, uh, to the Peninsula Film Festival. Mm, okay. Shout out to Steve Bastoni for getting me on the Peninsula Film Festival and um, same similar thing. For people like that, it wouldn't be a big deal for him. But for me, it was like, I've looked up to these actors and stuff when I was a kid and it's like, who am I? Like, you know, mm. but it's the universe talking to me and saying, this is what people are seeing in you. Cause what people could see in me outside of Canberra within Canberra, it was definitely, it was toxic, different, different environment. Sure. So that happened and I was like, okay, cool. So in, in the space of like a year, I'm going to Sydney, I'm doing this movie thing. 2018, I go to the Peninsula Film Festival, meet all these people. That same year, the movie comes out that I was in. It went to cinemas Australia-wide. Then it went to DVD. Hopefully Blu-ray as well. Yeah, yeah. hopefully <laughs> Blu-ray. So it was all these little things that were, were happening while I was in Canberra. And yeah. I was like, fuck, man. I was like, I've got to, I've got to get out of here. 2018, that same year. Because this all happened within like six months, six months, six months. It was like the movie thing. Then other celebrities other, in other, you know, other people saying, come and hang out with us. 
and do this and network and then collaborating uh, with collaborate. other yeah collaborate yeah. with you know but these people are like big these are big influential like Australian actors and I'm like what the fuck right anyways um then that and then 2018 the biggest thing to this day was when I got approached by um, a director, shout out to Mike Worsley. I got to give him a shout out to Mike Worsley because I still I'm still friends with him to this day. He messaged me on Facebook and I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? Because <laughs> half the time you think, oh, it's just some someone scamming you, yeah, or whatever. Right? I was like, who the fuck is this guy? And he's like, um, we'd like to have you on Channel Seven as a as a judge on this TV show that's just coming out. It's called All Together Now. And I was like, oh wow. He rang me like in April, April May, and I had seen the ad in January on TV right. saying there's this, there's this TV show coming out. And I was actually watching TV laughing because I was like, <laughs> not another fucking yeah. music show. Yeah, sure. It's done Australian Night of the, 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 you know, the Voice. And I was like, oh, not another one. I was like, this is weird. But they were showing the video from the UK because that's where they took it from, right? And then, yeah, a couple months later, I get the phone call. I get the message from this guy saying, why don't you, why don't you be on this show? And I had to be up there in about two weeks. So after I did the TV show thing, yeah, I've got to, I've got to really like get out of town and just really start fresh and move to Melbourne. So that was those pinnacle moments. And as mm. I've explained the story to you guys, it was like I could have stopped at any of those points because the reason why I got the phone call or the, you know, the message to be on the TV show was because by the time when they rang me, they had gone through all this stuff. Like I'm like, how the fuck did you even know that? Yeah, and I knew it was the real deal because. By the time he rang me or messaged me to call him, they'd already gone through all my history since like 2007. Yeah, right. Gone through all my shit. They'd done their due diligence to find the right yeah, person to be right. part of the show. And, and yeah. what that made me, I had this pinnacle moment. I was like, I knew over the years, me doing what I was doing, I just got to keep pushing because yeah. you just don't know what's going to, and it's not for nothing. It's not in vain. So all I do even to this day is that with all the things that I do with my achievements, I tell people the same story. So like with you boys, with the podcast, I'm like, you just got to keep going, man. If mm. it's if it's a passion and you love it, something's going to give at some point. It has to. There's, it's it's the law of it's the law of attraction. It's the law of vibration. It's it's law. Mm. It's, it's universal law. Once you when you feel it and you project it into 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 the you know the, the goal and the, and the mental mind and the and imagination, at some point it comes to life. It has to. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So that's what I've been doing, man. And um. Like I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm loving being in Melbourne. Melbourne's a fucking awesome place to be. I've got three older siblings. They're all in Sydney. Okay. And I've been in Sydney like hundreds of times. But the energy of Melbourne and Sydney is like two different worlds. Yeah. It's uh, You guys probably been in Sydney? Yeah. Yeah, we were there a couple of months ago. Yeah, so yeah, yeah sure, it's yeah. different. It's a nice place for me to go and visit, but I wouldn't want to live there, right? Mm. Unless I was raised there. So, Well, you're in the right place for music in Australia. That's what like, everyone says. Yeah. yeah. That's what everyone says, like it, yeah. Like, like we are talking about off air, like this is such a famous city, mm. which – not a lot of people really understand, but it's such a famous city for music. And yeah. especially if you look back over literally 50 years, mm. so much has happened in this city for mm. music and mm. still continues to do. Mm. You went to a gig the other night. Like yeah. Every, every night, every corner, there's yeah. best in the world are here. Yeah. In terms of entertainment culture, like you're talking sport, art, music. Like I just think, yeah, I'm not, I've never lived in any other city, but <laughs> so I can't go and you know compare it, but we do. We do it differently. Exactly. What I always say is that, I moved here for obviously to try and you know to push the entertainment stuff, but sure. really the real the reality is I moved here because who I am as a person. Like the one thing I noticed about Mel- Melburnians is that they're just so fucking freaking nice. People are nice. I mean, not everyone. You got dickheads here and there, but yeah, of course. Well, well, speaking of nice, 
So we didn't know who KO was before <laughs> yeah. we reached out on yeah. Instagram. And <laughs> now you wouldn't believe this. I know we'll say this. So we, D and I, Doss and D were at uh, St Kilda St Kilda Festival a couple of weeks ago now on the weekend, and we were lucky. We were partnering with a brand and making some content for this our company. Good friends helping our, good, humans. our good friends helping humans. A uh, beautiful uh, sparkling water drink. It's um, no sugar. It's just here. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Kao's got Kao's got the ginger focus in his hands. I've it goes, got the it lovely. Goes, it goes with the tracksuit too. Yeah, it does. Yeah, Orange. It does. Oh, I wish I was wearing my green t-shirt because I've got the lemon lime. <laughs> and delicious. so we were there working for. Uh, Helping humans and it was a great day, wasn't it? It was a great day. But I, we were filming some content, and I remember filming at one point, and this bloke walked towards us, and <laughs> he just goes, "What are you boys filming?" And we're like, "Oh, we're just filming for helping humans." And he goes, "Oh, keep it up, lads!" And he kept walking, and he was, he was walking with a beautiful, lovely woman as well. She yeah. looked very nice. Basically, yeah, she knows who she is. She she got rid of me, so oh, know, she fucked up. You you missed out. But anyways, you know you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, she has missed out. I've got it. Just sorry, just going back a little bit. What's the oldest you've gone in with with women? I'm not going to say on you. <laughs> that's too much information. Not at us. That's, not that's, at us. That's, that's that's not too not too old. Not too okay, old. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. well, basically, we, we, <laughs> I could try. <laughs> Where the shot? Well, mate, you should hear some of the other stuff we've shared on this podcast. It's this one, this one that you the one you saw me with. Oh, well, she's 47. 47, and I'm 39. So 39. I wouldn't go too. <laughs> well, well, if the listeners haven't worked it out, it was it was young well, you know, KO. You know KO saying, walked next to yeah, us. That's right. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I can't believe it. Even I know we we just put two and two together when I walked in the door, and I was like, because I I was like, I can't believe you remember me, which makes me realize that I must have stood out, and that makes me think how many people were nice to you on that. Hopefully, a lot more than me, because um, that's a great point because true. you did stand out because. Mm. Well, I wasn't sure. I was like, "Gee, that bloke was really nice. Why did yeah. he say something?" No one, no one asked what we're doing. Yeah, mm. unless we approached them and said, "Hey, can we interview you and, for and this?" Part, and part of it too is you think, "Oh, I hope they don't think we're filming something we shouldn't be filming." Yeah, you know what I mean? Like mm. we're two blokes with a camera in the middle of the Kilda Festival, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on a hot day where there's not a lot yeah. of clothing going around. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we are we are working. We're, personal yeah. personal we're allowed for porn to be up or something or yeah. fans <laughs> or content. You know. Yeah. That's it. Who were so? Let's go back a little bit. Who were your musical influences growing up, um, or he, even to this day? Like, your typical ones. So hip hop and music has evolved and changed so yeah. much, just like technology and everything. Back in the days in the in the nineties and the two thousands, just like technology, you'd have the group of things. You'd have like the one phone, the one Nokia. You'd have the one thing, and you just go through over the years, just moving with the times with it with the technology, right? So with music, it's the same thing. So. I grew up listening to Tupac's. I mean, Tupac died when I was in year seven. I'm 39. Tupac died when I was in year seven. So he was still relevant when I was still in primary school. Your Snoop Dogs, your Ice Cubes, Nas, Wu Tang, which I was, I loved, you know. Um, yep. So I, I, my biggest influence was a lot of West Coast music, a lot of New York, East Coast music as well. Okay. And then as we progressed into the, uh, the early to mid 2000s, 50 cents, and just, you kind of just evolved with, with yeah. what was happening. With this, so that was what I was really listening to when I was growing up. But mind you, in saying that, before I started really getting into hip hop, so when I was like a child, so when I was like five, six, seven, eight, I loved the eighties music. I loved the nineties, like the early, even the eighties. Even to this day, as a grown man, my favorite era of era of music is um is the eighties. And what kind of which artists from the eighties? Oh, just take cool your pick. No, nah, I'm, I'm talking like when I say eighties, not not even hip hop or R and B, not even that genre, just all music. Mm, yep. It was just so fu- it was just so fucking real. Yeah, 
the love songs, like you hear a love song, you think that guy really got, got the real his like heartbroken. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the guy really got his, like it's a fucking, he probably really got his heartbroken. Where now it's like people are writing songs. I'm not saying that it's- That is so true. Yeah. Like the music was so real. Yeah. Authentic. Authentic yeah. as hell, right? So my favorite era of music even to this day is the 80s. Yeah. And that's why I'm, I'm going to drop this song in a couple of months. Um, it's an 80s beat, but it's 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 a really upbeat dance kind of yeah. track. And I'm just, it's going to be fucking mental. We'll, we'll be hanging out. We'll make sure, it. Yeah, yeah, make sure yeah, you yeah. give us a little preview 100%, of that. Yeah. 100%. So, um, and then as the years progress, like even now it's 2023, I just listen to any artists that are really, that are good. Mostly still hip hop, R&B. Look, R&B doesn't really exist anymore. What would be your definition of R&B, do you think? Ah. Uh, well, a lot of a lot of the rappers in this day and age, they're kind of singing. Yeah. Mm. If you hear a lot of the new art, the new rappers, yeah. they're still gangsters and they're still blah 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 talking about guns, but they're kind of singing it. But they're singing, rapping it, mm. and it's a whole different genre of music. I don't even know where to put it. That's why it's hip hop, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to hear. My favorite rapper is I have to say Kevin Gates. Have you heard of him? No. Um, no. It's not. It's, uh, I did. I have to admit, it's yeah. It's <laughs> not my number one genre of music, but yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, he's um and how I how he became my favorite rapper artist. I didn't hear his music first. I listened to his interviews. Oh, right. And okay. That's, and that's and then his interviews are really intelligent. And then um, I started listening to his stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, this is yeah, it kind of makes sense." Like, you yeah, know? sure. Uh, but all types of all types. This, this day and age, I just go with the flow. I listen to all types of music, hip hop, rap, kind of stuff. But then also, you know, the other alternative kind of like stuff. Yeah, yeah, top forty. You know, whatever's out, really. So yeah, I mean, and then most of the time, I just try and I try to listen to music. For relaxation, mm. sometimes I'll take a small percentage for my own kind of craft, but most of my craft and how I'm channeling my thoughts and like in regards to creation comes within myself because I'm trying to be original, and be have the originality going on. Um, so I'm learning to you got to tap into your you really tap into your because the biggest issue people have is sometimes always trying to copy other people. I was going to ask, sorry to jump in, no, but right. I just I'm in that style of music there's mm. a lot of obviously sampling mm. and things mm. like that how do you stay original like obviously it's not like picking up a guitar mm. and you come up with a new mm. riff or whatever mm. like you a lot of the beats are similar or you're sampling other mm. songs how do you keep the originality going like it must be a really tough you've genre gotta, of music yeah you've got to just like i was just saying a minute ago you've got to just really just seek seep down within yourself and just be like okay this is how i'm going to do it how i've always done it was just be with you your lyrics and stuff and so forth um your flow just you got to try and switch, turn it around a bit and stuff. If you think that sounds similar, the genre of music that I think sounds like they all sound the same is Aussie hip hop. Yeah, okay. That's my personal experience. I mean, I, I could hear 20 Aussie hip hop rappers and for me, each of them will sound exactly the same. Mm. Sorry if I've hurt anyone's feelings, but that's the reality. We are trying to get um, Bliss and Esso on the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a contact. They're not coming anymore. Um, no, <laughs> no, but Bliss, but Bliss and Esso, there's an American guy on there, but they're a mixture as well. Mm. Bliss and Esso, there's a mixture of them on there as well. They all sound a bit different. But when I say Aussie hip hop, I'm talking like with the Aussie accent. And I'm yeah. not saying like that's original, that's how they sound. When I rap, I rap in an urban American accent. That's just how I was raised, just doing it. So yeah. whatever. And I just cop slack from that as well. But it is what it is. It's not about that. It's about just originality. There's a couple of Aussie rappers that do sound differently. When they come on, you can tell you listen to someone else. But what I'm trying to say is that like a lot of these young rappers that are coming up, and trust me, like I was there once. You know, If this is what helps you you know, stay on a positive road and things like that, 100% do it. I don't... I'll never discredit anyone, you know, pushing their dreams. But um, I think a lot of people are getting caught up in this whole thing where they're like, oh, this is how you got to sound, so I'm just going to just do whatever. So people are going there blind, if that makes sense. Yeah. A lot of rappers are 
they're, they're rapping and they're forking over all these money to their producers and that, but they all just sound the same. It's really weird. It's been, I've been saying this for about probably five, 10 years now I've been saying this for, but um, it is what it is. I tell, I tell you what I'm liking as well. Like the UK has come up in the, in the hip hop scene. Hasn't it? Yeah. Like mm. it's blown up because the UK originally, um, all their beats was like dance beats. Yeah. I don't know if you remember, it was really just like this. this yeah, yeah, Well, yeah. what's the uh, what famous nightclub over in uh, the UK called? Ministry of Sound. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what it was. That, like, that was it. That was it. And that's it was right. that that nightlife scene was all about Ministry of Sound. And I don't know if you remember Ministry of Sound bringing out albums. Mm. You know, every year they always- massive. They were huge. Yeah. Ministry of Sound, there was Ministry of Sound Australia. Yeah, there was. I done, yeah. done some stuff for them when I was in Canberra for one of the guys who was- Linked up with Timmy Trumpet, they um, paid me to do some, um, do some sound voiceovers and some hype, hype stuff yeah, on yeah, the yeah, okay, and stuff yeah. in Canberra. So, and I tried to do some stuff for them, but they wouldn't have a fucking bar of me. So, because I actually at the t- it was at a time where it was like 2014, where I was like, there's no other rappers in Australia that are rapping over garage house music, and I would have emailed a shitload of people saying let's work together because I had a vision. I was like, look, all I need is the person that the right people around me to push it. Manisha Sound didn't uh, want to have a bar of it. The only person that had a, wanted to have a bar of it was um, a Canberra producer, a Canberra DJ, and um, he um, ended up going, "Yeah, let's fucking do it." We recorded, released four tracks, kind of like garage house music, and it got on the Aria charts, like or every single track on the Aria club charts. So, and I can still do that. I, I can still, I still rap with hip hop tracks, but I can also still do the dance and house, the house and garage yeah. stuff. Really cool, funky kind of stuff. But my sound's totally changed now as well. Like the stuff I've got coming out this year is like more harmonizing. Okay. So I'm love singing, harmonies. Singing, harmonies, love singing, them. rapping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it took me a lot of time to kind of like work on it. Probably still got a, a bit to go, but I think I'm close to having it perfect. But close enough where the song I'm going to drop in a couple of months is going to be fucking pretty good, I reckon. Yeah. It's, Can't it's, wait. It's, it's going to be, yeah, it's the, um, fuck, do you want to get the beat? Yeah. Yeah, let's hear it. I would it. love to hear that. Yeah. But yeah, it must yeah. be like, why were you getting that ready? Like I, I always think of these artists that, it doesn't matter which genre, but they cop it for changing their sound after, you know, eight, five well, that, or eight years. And they're mm. like, well, how do you, why would you expect a band to sound the exact same exactly. as they did 10 years ago? Like exactly. how do they possibly evolve? And people say, oh, they've sold out. But mm. Yeah, that's the term. They always say sold out. But sometimes, they? like sometimes you understand that, but I, other times you're like, that's bullshit. Like I would be bored playing the, staying the yeah. same for 10 years. And like, most of the, and the funny thing is for the most part, these artists are doing it for themselves. Exactly it's right. Just so, because what people don't understand is that it's a, it's a misconception. What people don't actually don't understand is that one thing I've learned growing up over the years is that a lot of artists are fucked in the head. Let's be honest. A lot of not fucked in the head, but a lot of artists. There's some trauma. There's fucking trauma that's come from somewhere. Yeah. So in the beginning, for them to do what they've done, it's come from them wanting to escape and just mentally get their shit right, right? Yeah. And however it comes out for them, that makes them feel good. It comes out for them to make them feel good, and 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 some of their best music comes from pain and trauma. So, and it just so happens to be coincidentally, the songs are fucking amazing. They're talented. They become rich and famous. Yeah. So, it's hard for them to then go, mm. okay, I'm just gonna keep doing the same shit if it doesn't sit right with me. So then they change it up. Because I've I've watched a couple of interviews, a couple of interviews of people who've said the same thing, like you guys just said, and they're like, oh well. We're just we're bored of making the same fucking shit. Of course, I'd be saying yeah. like we we talk about this all the time. We'd be saying we'd be bored talking about the same mm. topic every fucking yeah. week on this yeah. podcast. Yeah. Like we we like people say, oh, you mm. should talk about one thing. We're like we don't want to ask exactly. the same questions to every person. Exactly. Actually. You guys ready to hear this? Yeah, let's yeah, hear it. Yeah, I'm this is a Dawson D exclusive. <laughs> Ko in the house. All right, ready for this? I'm not rapping. I'm just playing the beat. That's yeah, okay. That's, that's okay. Go bottom of the iPhone. Is that where the speaker is? There you go. 
Oh, I like it. I like it. I do like this. Reminds me of the weekend a bit. Me too. It's going to be a smash. This sounds great. This is going to be the biggest hit in Australia. I want to get up and dance. Me Can too. someone get me a vodka lime and soda? Our knees are moving. <laughs> Love it. That's it. So that is sick. I've been working on that. I've been working on that. That song is like, I've had it finished for about, fuck, over six months. Yeah. And I've had obstacles and personal things pop up. But I'm sitting there going, it's all right. When it comes, it's comes going to be ready. So Sounds when freaking it, good. When it comes to, like, say, putting the lyrics, yep. you know, the, the, the track over the top, right? Coming up with lyrics and, and you're writing. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us about writer's block and, and, mm. and how difficult, mm-hmm. like, what, what, are you a person that sits down with a drink and lays it, lays everything out of his mind and his heart and puts it on paper, or does it come to you when you listen to the track? Do you, what what what's your process? And when you get writer's block, how do you get out of it? Great okay. Question. So when I first started writing, when I first started doing the music, I used to write the lyrics first, and I did that for years. And I'd write the lyrics, and then I'll find try and find a beat. The matches the lyrics and somehow through the grace of God, I, I'll make it work. And then as the, the years progressed, I was like, fuck, what am I doing? Like, I'm doing it wrong. But then I'm not doing it wrong because some people write the lyrics first. But what I did over the years, I started doing was I'll get the beat first, then I'd write to it. Now, sometimes I could write a verse in like an hour. I could have half the song done in like a couple of hours. Or sometimes... I might be working on one verse for like a couple of days or a couple of weeks. I don't, I don't sit there and go, I want to allocate this time. It just comes and goes when it mm. comes and goes. It's hard to explain. It's not as black and white as what people think it is. Um, maybe if you're doing the music full time and that's what you've got to do and you, you, this is your, you've got to turn your body into like a, a music making machine and you kind of have that time. Well, you hear you hear bands and artists. You're right, like that have a big profile, and they can, they yeah. go, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go and you know yeah. book, book out a, a yeah. beach hut in mm. you know in Hawaii mm. and, yeah. and, and just get it all done exactly. in one week. Exactly, you, you can't do that. Exactly, and I'm self-diagnosed ADHD, so I get distracted easily, and I end up, and because I'm doing like I'm marketing myself, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing ten things at once. So I'll start doing something. And then I'll be like a month later, I'm like, oh, fuck, I got that fucking half song I started. I got to finish. <laughs> Sometimes I can, like this song, for example, when I purchased the instrumental, you know, the beat instrumental means the same thing. When I purchased the instrumental, the instrumental sounds a bit more like, a bit more professional. Um, <laughs> Big orchestra. I, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, when I purchased the instrumental, as soon as I, as soon as I heard it first, I was like, I knew, I was like, fuck me. Dude. I think I've found, like I've just struck gold. And then I started writing the lyrics, usually because... When you buy it, when you get an instrumental like a beat like that, if it's made, if it's put together properly, and you listen to it from start to finish, you hear the in, you hear the intro, you hear the the verse, then you hear where the, the chorus comes in, or the hook, and you hear the different breakdowns of the of the track. So I used to purchase beats back in the day where it'd just be all fucking the same, all just shit and just all over the shop. But a, a proper producer, when he makes a beat and gives it to you or to put out whatever you can hear in your, with your ears the breakup. You can just hear the, the breakup and breakdown of the beat where the chorus kicks in. And when the when you're hearing the verse here and then when the chorus kicks in, it's like you just boom, 16, uh, four, how many bars? 12 bars. Then it comes back down again. So I, when I bought that beat, before I bought it, I listened to it. I was like, this is perfect. And when I listened to the song, I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I think I wrote and finished this, this song in about a week because what I did was I, I took my time with it. I did the first verse. I've only got two verses and in the in 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 chorus on this. I did two verses in the chorus 
and but then what I did was it was finished, and then over over months I would just listen to it again, like I'll, I'll wrap it again in my head and head and again and again and again, and then add to it. So now in my brain, in my head, I know when I go to the studio, I want to put down the verse, and then I'm going to have other layers and other other words. I'm going to repeat at the end of the verses and stuff to make it more full and blah blah blah. So some it's just everyone's different because everyone's brain is different and their thoughts and their ideas and their experiences are different. So I could have probably 10 or 20 different scenarios how I've written songs. Sometimes I've been vacuuming the back, uh, vacuuming the backyard, vacuuming the house or something <laughs> and um, and something's just come to my head and I've gone, oh. Uh, and sometimes melodies come to my in my head or something will come to my head and I'll start rapping stuff and I'll write it in my phone where I think this melody and the verses that worth of value, I'll then find it and add it to a, a song later on at some point. Have you ever had anything in your sleep and had to wake up and write um, it down? No, I haven't had I haven't had that, but I didn't answer your question in regards to the writer's block. The answer to writer's block is when you get writer's block, you can't force it. You just have to let it go and just come back to it. Because what I find is, and, and to be honest with you, probably with some of my early music, when I had writer's block, it means I haven't got anything organically to put out. So anything I put out from the writer's block, it's going to be, it's not going to be organic. It's not going to be proper. And, and you'll be able to hear it when it comes out in the music. Some people may notice, some people may not. But when it comes out organically where it's like it's flowing, it's coming from the emotions, coming from here, it's coming from here as well. If you'll feel better, it flows better. It means and feels better. So when I, the answer to that, when I get writer's block, I just, I just put it down. I'll start writing a verse and then I'll get stuck and then I'll be like, okay, I'll just leave it. And then I'll just, I'll just catch it. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll wait a day or two or whenever I feel like and I'll just read it again. And then I'll just catch it. So like I'll be back in the thing, blah, blah, blah. And that's how a lot of artists write, if not all of them write their lyrics. They start writing it, maybe get halfway, they'll get writer's block, then they'll stop. But then in order for them to finish it, you got to go back and wrap it again from the start a few times. You might have to, by the time that verse is done, you've probably sung it probably 20, 30 times to the point where by the time you record it in the studio, you don't even want to hear it again, Yeah, yeah. which is true. So can you imagine these artists here? The, the, the length of time it takes for them to put everything together, by the time that they do it, they've done it, they've, they've wrapped the song and listened to it and probably a hundred times. And then you got to do tours. Like I just- yeah. It's a smash fuck. hit. You have to play it every single night <laughs> yeah, or like, people yeah. go home disappointed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you so. get all those old artists that you know, oh, still get asked for that Billy one. Billy Joel Piano Man every time. Yeah, yeah. bro. Like all freaking, um, uh, like what's his name? Daryl- Brave Faith Horses. Horses. It's like- well, But you know, and I, I haven't got a hit song yet, but I'm, I'd rather have one than no hit song. Yeah. But it's like, man, it's like- and, and I'm sure that, and the sad thing is they've probably got the funny thing is they've, they've probably got like 23 other songs that they've worked hard for and they like them more yeah. they've sung their soul and heart out for and no one, we don't hear that shit fuck off come play that fucking song now <laughs> play horses again play horses, play horses, they play for 20 minutes <laughs> yeah. like, let's, now the women now the men the yeah. extended extended version yeah. I got it one night at the MCG I went to a game and uh, he was there live and he played it for about I'm not kidding it was about 12 minutes oh anyway. shit um, <laughs> really and I, uh, yeah, anyway. and you loved it uh, well I'm not the biggest fan of that song but anyway um, <laughs> yeah so there you, you go we, when you look at your Instagram, you've obviously connected with some, like we were talking real big names across the world and on multiple, I suppose, levels. Mm. Did you do some work with Mike Posner? Did a track with him? Yeah. So Two, tell us a little bit. And How did that come about and tell us about that experience? I just, I just reached out to his, um, to his management because what, what I used to do is, um, it's a little trick that I used to do is I used to always say, social media is six degrees of separation. Yeah. So- Hundred percent. So the reality is, every celebrity that we love and is on social is on Instagram, right? 
it's just a matter of them if they want to reach out back to you or not. I don't fucking know. But um, I ended up reaching out. I, I had a method of what I used to do. I used to look at um, a lot of the artists who I was following on, and I'll look at like their management team or whoever, and I'll just reach out to them and go, hey, blah, blah, blah. So that's how I worked with him. I just – I never met him. I just um, reached out to him paid a small fee and then um, got the track and the rest is history. And right. I try I try to do the same thing with um I did a song of Ty Dollar Sign as well. Um, I just, you know, you pay a small fee and then whatever the fee may be, and then you get the they, they record their vocals and send it over. Snoop Dogg cost two hundred and fifty thousand, so I couldn't afford him. <laughs> yeah, so um, two hundred and fifty grand, yeah. I missed the concert. Fuck I'm pipping. I was gonna say that. if it was a smash hit you might have got up and yeah, run labor a couple yeah, of nights ago. Yeah, yeah, I know. So um <laughs> But you know, yeah, that's how I did that, man. And I just, I, I, I'm on my phone a lot. I'm on my phone a lot. I'm, I'm promoting a lot, and um, I've noticed from just reaching out to so many people all the time that it's just a lot of people are scared to reach out to people. Yeah. At the end of the day, like a lot of people are scared to be told no, and I don't understand why. Like, not everyone's gonna say yes. Not everyone's mm. gonna fucking like you. I've been told more no's than yeses, but it's those yeses that have got me to be able to. Go a little bit above, you know. Of course, um, we've got a saying, and my, you know, my dad used to always tell me when I was a kid, which was, we say it to us, to ourselves all the time: the squeaky wheel gets the oil. If you're yeah, not making true. any noise, mm. you're not going to get that oil. Yeah. For us, like, you know, exactly. if we want a certain person, if if we want them, well, we have to, like you said, the six degrees of mm. separation. Mm. Who do we know that knows them? That knows them? Exactly. That knows them? Like, it's possible, mm-hmm. and I think so many people. They just assume that the only way is like an Instagram DM and if they don't rep- mm. reply to mm. you individually, mm. that's the only way. Exactly. Like you'd know better than yeah. anyone. Like yeah. you've worked hard to go, all right, no, they might not reply, but I know I'm going to find out who the management team is exactly. and then go on LinkedIn or Facebook and exactly. find like – Exactly. Yeah. And also the other thing is it's a numbers game. So just a copy and paste. Write a generic introduction. Hey, my name is blah, blah, blah. That's what I'm doing. And just take like half an hour. To, it always takes like half an hour, an hour max, half an hour. And just inbox 100 people. Mm. You're gonna get someone. That's right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's actually I find it really like exciting. Yeah. You know, you wait for what's gonna come back. Hundred percent. It's like fishing. You know, you know, you know what you're gonna fucking get. And that's just how <laughs> it's just how it is. Well, Dustin so came true. back. <laughs> huh? It's it's so true. Like yeah. we we do that. We actually schedule time. Um, mm. We'll just say right now we don't necessarily copy and paste. We like to personalize the messages, but uh, <laughs> we do sit down. We schedule time to sit down. Like tomorrow, we've got a lot of time to sit down, and yeah. we've got a huge list of people and then we've now mm. worked we've literally just come up with a system of okay here's our top three ways to approach and if mm. and then beyond that we'll work out the next system but if that doesn't work all right mm. this is the next step if that doesn't work here's the next step and exactly exactly what dos said earlier like you just got to be persistent and mm. go and go and go and in, in the caper in the entertainment in, well in any industry when, when it comes to social media like mm. you said you're just you're that close mm. and so it, close bro and and you just don't know it could like a bit like anything could be mm. the next song mm. could be the next podcast it could mm. be the next video clip mm. that blows any of us up exactly and it's a, yeah can you talk a bit about maybe i know like ko marvelous is your stage name yeah and that's who you are as an artist but yeah. Maybe do you want to quickly share if you're open to it, like where you where you've come from in Ghana and a bit mm. of your um, your journey to coming mm. to Australia mm. and your upbringing and mm. I guess yeah, what's really behind you, but and that, and ultimately behind the music too. For sure. Well, I was born in Ghana, but I came in when I was two. Yeah. So um, I got three older siblings, three older sisters. They they they're a bit older than me, but I I came to Australia when I was two. So I think maybe what's the term? In my in my roots, like probably like not what's the term? I'm trying to think of the fucking word. It's in my it's in my it's in my DNA, DNA yeah. to yeah. probably have to have rhythm. It's probably do the music stuff. I guess I didn't I didn't I wasn't raised with any kind of music influence with my parent with my parents. It was all just me. 
Yeah, I, I came to Australia being a first-generation African person. So I think part of me doing the music 100% was it was an, it was an escape. I was angry. I used to get into fights and blah, blah, blah. Probably a little bit of trauma from when I was a child for a few things that happened at school and things like that. But as I got older, it was more other things as well in regards to just like, fuck, I'm, you know, i got to really do something with myself. So in regards to like finding, it probably would have been sports or something like that. I don't fucking know. But um, I came in 85, December 85 when I was two. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a bit stuck on this. I don't know why. Well, did you deal um, with when like being, obviously with your upbringing in school and you said, you know, you dealt with, yeah, potential, you know, fights. And cop like cop that. racism at a really young age. So I cop racism at the earliest, and I, I think this is, oh no, I've actually spoke about this before on the work on the work Kappa show. Shout out to work Kappa, <laughs> but I'll say it again. As early as when I was like seven, like probably like six, and the, my my earliest things was my earliest remembering of like just like a fucking like violent world was like when I was six years old, right? I would have been year one, year two, I think year one, and I was walking home from school, and these kids were fucking throwing rocks at me, right? Oh, wow. When I tell this to people, are like fuck, but it's yeah. like it is what it is, right? And then I think me, um, I don't remember because I was so young. If I told my parents or not, but all, all I remember was like over the years I was like fuck, like no one's gonna like if you want, you gotta do shit yourself. You gotta handle your shit yourself, right? So that was the earliest times. And so I was more, I think I'm a little bit not traumatized, but I got a bit more not PTSD, but. It was more of a concern being at that age. When you're like, when you're six, seven years old, you really can't, you're a kid. Yeah. And these kids are like probably your six, right? But as I got through high school, I was getting into fights, but I wasn't getting into fights. This is the, this is where it makes it funny. When I got to high school, I wasn't getting into fights because I was black. I was getting into fights because it's who I am as a person, just being like, just, just talking like this, <laughs> yeah. you know, being, vo- being like voiceless, voiceless, right? So me getting into fights when I was in high school, I understand why. I wasn't rude or just disrespectful to people. I was just being me, but people don't like that. When you have other kids that are probably insecure, going through whatever the fuck they're going through at home, and they see this kid, this other kid who's like, you've got, got, um, you know, got energy, he's got confidence, it makes them feel a certain way. So, so that's what makes me realize how I was able to progress and do what I do with the music because it all makes fucking sense. It was all part of my journey to be that kind of person. The high school stuff wasn't much of a big deal. That was because when you're a young man, you're 13, 14, you, you can hold yourself in a certain way. So, and things are more understandable and you can kind of like protect yourself and, and hold your own. But um, yeah, so coming to Australia in 85 and being a first generation African in Australia, yeah, it was full on. It made me who I am. Yeah. You know I mean? I have no regrets. I always say to myself, if I didn't go through those things as, as, a, as a young person, they'd be no okay and marvelous. Mm. Because ideally, realistically, the music was what, those things I went through was what really made me want to like, it kind of kept me distracted, I guess. And shaped, yeah. and shaped me who I am. So I would have been just some fucking boring person working in a nine to five in an office. Not, no offense if you guys do that. But um, <laughs> we no, don't know. But, uh, but I also work. But I also work doing other things as well. I work in community. I do work in community. I work in community services. I do youth work. So I've never yeah. worked in office office job. But um, the funny thing is how the universe works. It will give you certain objects and certain obstacles, obstacles and challenges in front of you that you have to go through, so you can get to this point and do this. Because you need to go through it for you, for it to kind of like program your mind to go a different path. Definitely, and that's how I'm seeing it. That's how, as I'm getting old, I'm like, you know, it is what it is. I mean, fuck me. I, I, I we moved to Australia and we could have moved anywhere. Like my my mum comes from a family of ten brothers and sisters, and she's got I got cousins in America, I got cousins in UK, I got cousins in London. I mean, UK, Holland, Germany. I haven't got any blood cousins in Australia, and I'll say to myself, out of all the countries I could have moved to, Australia is probably the safest country. Because fuck mm. America, if I'd gone to America. America's fucked up, let's be honest. UK, like any, Australia's the safest country 
in the world. One of anyway. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely one of the safest countries. I'm sure there's like Sweden or one of Denmark. I think one of those countries. One of the up expensive there. ones. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're safe. I think I think, yeah. I think Germany or Denmark, one of those places, you get free fucking university. Yeah. So, I mean, one of those countries is up there. But apart from that, Australia is like the most luckiest place. So I always think like um, it could have always been worse in life, you know, like and, 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 and in, in, any, in any country, in any culture, when you're a minority, there's always going to be shit going on anyway. So, mm. you know, I know the, 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 the Italians and Greeks got it here. The Asians got it here. You know the Arabs. Everyone, everyone goes through. Everybody, it. everyone yeah. goes through. It. If, like, if, even if you're like a um, a white person living in Africa, not Africa, living in Italy, you, you be there, you become the minority. Yeah. So it's it's within us as as the human race, human nature for us to always be divided and stuff like that. So it doesn't really definitely matter. I mean, my grand my grandparents took the brunt for for me and my sisters. And what nationality are you? Um, well, my grandparents from Latvia. Okay. Um, so they escaped World War Two. Yeah. And my, my dad's side's English, but they they yeah they copped it hard yeah. when they first moved to Melbourne. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it's it's hard because I mean, like we hear about it, we, mm. we listen, but mm. we've we've never been a minority, mm. so we don't really know. Yeah, so we exactly. can only, and and it's interesting, especially hearing from an African's perspective. Mm. Well, when we were going through our teenage years, mm. that was the that was the minority group that mm. was copying the real heat, mm. and I don't know why i don't know there was just a lot of negative press mm. about it mm. and it's just interesting how it initially shapes your mind you don't th- ever think of yourself as a racist person mm. but you realize that you you can be programmed into thinking certain media. way by exactly. the media and then, and then it takes it takes a, a while to actually get deprogrammed out of that exactly kind of thing. i hope that doesn't sound like no it doesn't no, 100%. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it makes sense uh, if you if you're getting shown and shown that this a certain group of people are doing certain things constantly when you see those people in the street, you're gonna be like, you're gonna be fucking. Should I be worried? Should I be careful? Not realizing that it's actually a small percentage doing it. Of course. And then the majority of the community within that community are like 80 percent doing the right thing. They've got to cop it as well now too because they're working. They're hardworking people. That's exactly who and I always feel for. And it's fucked, man. It's really that's really who fucked I really up, feel you know? for. Yeah. Um, and that's like in any. That's like in any culture. It's like you know, not not every. Everyone gets painted the same. What do you fucking call it? Painting the same brush. What the fuck they call it, right? Yeah, yeah. that's right. And we all uh, have to make the bed we sleep in. Exactly, you know? exactly. Mm. So that's the yeah. That's the sad thing about that is uh, you know something happens and then um, you got people who weren't racist and all of a sudden are racist. And and it's true with the it's true about the media. The media's fucked. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the stuff that they because we're only watching what they're showing us. That's so right. The reality is is like they're just cut and paste and blah blah blah. And you what know. do you what do you think? And this was going to be my next question. It's it's more around. I think the media, and we all know, we we know this, and that's why we started the podcast. Mm-hmm. But do you find that so many people, they they will start something and they will stop it, like they might have a dream or a goal or something they really want to do, whether it's this podcast or become something mm-hmm. in the music industry. Yeah. But the media and society tells them no because mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. okay and it's not mm. like because it's not coming quick. Like you're a perfect example of it's ta- it takes time and mm-hmm. it takes long. Do you think that? You know, there are so many people out there, especially here in Australia, that like they just they just puppy syndrome. Well, yeah. yeah, like that. It's real, yeah. The media, I wouldn't say is such. I think the media's got such a real broad injection of stuff where you have got control to kind of just shut it off and just. There's so much going on in the media, and, and more importantly, in this day and age, social media is bigger than the media on TV. So yeah, you can look for influences and be more positive by looking at podcasts and certain things and be more influenced than negative. I think what fucks people up 
when they're growing up, going wanting to focus on their dreams and really going through that 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 journey is um and I've heard this before, it's very powerful. It's the people that are closest to you that are gonna say, Oh bro, you sure? Because we are what what we are programmed to do is to to think and know that our friends love us, our parents love us, they want the best for us, and they genuinely do. But because your dreams are so fucking big and so far, like, and it's so big what you want to do, and it's not in them to want to have that you know mechanical makeup mechanical machine yeah. to like progress and do big things. They think them telling you, oh, maybe you should do something. Like they think they're actually looking after you because they love you, but they're actually doing the opposite. So then it kind of tricks you to think maybe I should fucking stop. Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing because mum and dad say, oh, oh, my best mate with them for twenty years is like ten years is like fucking you know bagging me out all the time but the reality is is that yeah it's those people around you they're gonna block your vision mm. and i had all that i had i had all that close people haters everyone just fucking shitting on me but i was just like but how the fuck I, I would always be like but how the fuck do you know it's not gonna happen mm. like this is what i'd say like how do you how do you know another thing i learned at a young age when i started doing this music stuff was um if i started getting haters like people hating on me online i'll say to myself well I don't even know you. Never met you. Never spoke to you before. I haven't done anything to you personally. So you're just fucking jealous. It, that's the only reality. And I knew mm. that so that was in my brain at an early time in my when I started because I copped a lot of haters. I copped a lot of hate. Had a lot of online hate. Really nasty shit, man. Like a lot of fucked up shit. Yeah, a lot of things happened in Canberra. Like uh, I'll tell you one story. It's horrible. When um that 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 CD launch I told you about the ANU bar, I didn't know there was like a Aussie hip hop urban hip-hop kind of like clash going on. I just was like, I'm from Canberra. I just want to get all these rappers together and we can just fucking do some stuff. And the producer I was working with at the time, um, and I was still kind of new into the scene. And it was, you know, I started putting out music in 2004, but I wasn't putting out like a lot. I might have put out like a couple of tracks in 2004 and then didn't put out anything for like three years because I'm still at school. I'm still working. I'm still doing whatever. So 2007, I just worked on that 19, 20 track mixtape. And I'm just, as I'm working on that mixtape for like six months or whatever it was, I'm working with this producer and I'm just learning, right? And he's like, oh, you know, I can get this artist on your, on your thing. So I had a couple of artists that he knew feature on my mixtape. And then for when it came around to the launch, he goes, you should get this Canberra group to open at your launch because it will be, will be, will work really good for you. I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? They get, a, they get to perform, blah, blah, blah. It's a win-win. It's a win-win situation, right? They said to him, no worries. Yeah, we'll do it. Got the flyers made up. Last minute, they're like, we're not performing on his thing, thing anymore. And he, and he asked them why. And he said, well, because if we perform at KO's CD launch, um, it's going to discredit. We're going gonna to lose respect. And, I, and I'm looking back on it now. There was no reason. It's just people are just fucking haters. People are just fucking their own ways, right? Mm, yeah. After that happened and, um, you know, they didn't want to perform anymore. There was a there was a there used to be a forum called AussieHipHop.com. I had to give these fucks a shout out, but I don't even know if it's even, I don't even know if it's relevant anymore. But it was called mm. AussieHipHop.com, and this is before social media was a thing. So this is going back 2000 and, 2007. Everyone jumped like I'm talking like fucking hundred people, bro. Jumped on there. Oh, I heard Ko Marvelous like puts artists on a a flyer of of people performing. They haven't even agreed to it. And I'm thinking to myself. Oh. I'm thinking to myself, who the fuck will do that? Yeah. Like that is so like that just sounds so dumb. Like let's say I want to say you guys are gonna come and come to my show and, and be your host judges. 
and I haven't even asked you, and I put your names in the flyers. So that happened, right? And then um, while this was happening, I was my name was getting this is and this is at the start when I'm really making noise. I've just spent seven fucking eight grand on this CD. I'm really starting to push my dreams. And what I'm trying to get at with this story was um, at this point is there was definitely a point where I could have been like, oh, I can't fucking do this. This is too stressful. But I had so many people like hating on me, right? And the guys that cancelled and said they wouldn't want to do it, not one of them had the balls as a young man to say, look, that's not what happened. We actually cancelled. And they just let my fucking name run through the fucking dirt. But what happened was, what happened was, because I was so hungry for this dream and I was just like, fuck it, didn't make a difference. I kept on fucking going. Mm. And what that moment of time taught me moving on was, I've been, the stuff I've gone through in my personal life is more deep than the music. Yeah. And I used to always be like, first I'm a man of God, then I'm a man, then it's the music. So anything that happens with the music, I can just handle it. So as the years progressed, I got haters, I got this, but it just made me fucking stronger. Mm. And I just laughed about it because I was like, well, you're going to get haters. And the more you progress and the more you do, people are going to get jealous. And that's how I did it. So with that, I didn't let anyone say, my parents didn't want me to do it. My parents thought I wasted my money. Like, some yeah. of my friends were hating on me. Like, fuck, it was just, I copped the whole thing and I was, but I kept on going. It's amazing. You know, so that's, that's the story with that. Yeah. Well, we, we that. actually always say that like <laughs> haters is a great measuring tool. Like when, when you're copping hate, mm. you know that you're succeeding. Like 100%. the more hate you get, that's almost like a, which mm. sucks. And we people, welcome and, it. Yeah. And exactly. a lot of people can't handle that, especially mm. when you're starting because no one wants to cop hate. But exactly. You, you realize it's, and we actually always say, and you've mentioned this a few times, mm. but Let's put this in the podcast perspective. When mm. shit happens here, which it all occasionally it happens, like yeah. bad stuff, you realize you realize it hasn't been recording or a camera mm. or something blows up mm. or mm. you know. And we just say, all right, we're being tested, and the test is how bad do you want it? Exactly. How bad do you want it? That's just what we're being asked. Very how bad true. do you want it? We're like the we're, universe we, is telling us. Yeah, we're like we fucking want it. So Very true. We, and that's just an analogy we use. Maybe share. I know you you showed us that lovely track. Oh, right? you're right. So what's coming up for you? Mm. Quickly share with us. You know what? Where can everyone follow you? Yep. Uh, whether it's they want to listen to your music, but even you know your personality, you're big mm. on social media. Mm. Share that and sure, sure. So Instagram ko underscore marvelous. I'm on Facebook as well. Music is on all digital streaming download sites, over 32 digital digital streaming download sites. And uh, yeah, got a new song coming out in a couple of months. I'm going to be banging out some new tracks. Everything you guys can, everything you guys are hearing now, past and like, you know, past and present is all going to be different what's coming out now. Um, enjoy the music. If you do watch this podcast, jump and say, jump on my Instagram, say hello. I always write back and respond. And uh, much respect to these boys doing their thing because they're um, make sure you keep following these boys because they're onto big onto big things. Two thousand twenty-three. Thanks, Kerr. Maybe you yeah. can. Uh, maybe we, we we might be. In, it might be time for a new theme song for the Dawson D yeah. show. Been the same one for three years. Maybe maybe that could be the challenge. We might yeah. come and produce a new Dawson D theme with you. But there you go. Kerr, Mate, it's been honestly. I've had an absolute blast. I, you Thanks know, sometimes with guests, you don't know exactly what you're going to mm. get. You don't know which way the conversation's going to go. This, yeah. this surprised me. The different yeah. directions we've gone, but yeah. I've, I've loved it. So, Appreciate mate, we're going to stay in touch. I want to stay connected with you. I want to hang out with you outside of yeah, outside definitely. of all this definitely. kind of stuff. I'm around the corner, so have, we'll bring a slab of helping humans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. But thank you so much for coming. Oh, good over. boys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kerr. Thank you. Peace.
D, wasn't that episode just awesome? Oh, mate, I got so much out of it. I'm sure you did too. And of course, thank you to everyone who listened. Guys, if you haven't already, go and subscribe to the podcast over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For sure. And please leave us a five-star review on Apple. It goes such a long way to helping the show. And of course, you have your chance to get a shout-out. Don't forget to go and follow us over on Instagram as well. What's the Instagram, D? It's at D underscore. D-O-S-A-N-D-D underscore. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in the next episode.